1: It's 8.30 on Wednesday, December 12th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, dietitians are encouraging Mississippians to talk about healthier lifestyles while gathering for the holidays.
2: The goal is to have your loved one or even yourself just keeping them encouraged and just finding alternative ways to enjoy the holiday without overindulging.
1: Then, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, find out why Mississippi students affected by a school closing could be left without funding to attend another school in the new year. And we'll hear the story of a Delta town working together to keep the younger population in the area. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. National statistics weigh Mississippi, one of the most obese states in the country. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, almost 40% of adults in the state are overweight, and Mississippians consume less fruits and vegetables and spend less time engaging in physical activity than the national average. Registered dietitian Kayla Georgewell says the holiday season can be a good time to reinforce health goals instead of ignoring them by overindulging. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood more.
2: As far as holiday eating is concerned, It can play a role in your overall health outcomes if the holiday eating becomes more of a regular type of thing. So for instance, if someone typically has like, let's say for example, fried chicken, macaroni and cheese and like sweet potato casserole at Christmas time, but this becomes a weekly Sunday dinner, can you imagine how much that could contribute to someone's overall health. I mean, it's high fat, high sodium, high sugar. And so if that becomes more of a weekly habit instead of a treat during the holidays, it definitely can catch up with you.
3: From your research and your work, what populations or what uh, groups of people are more prone to allow foods such as, you know, the typical holiday meal to become an everyday thing and that are the ones that are more at risk for obesity and different diseases
2: because of it? So the demographics, especially just within the population that I work with, is people who live in the South, for one thing. Typically, those are staples um, and a little bit of an older generation. I think our generation is becoming more aware that that's not something that maybe we need to eat every day. But your older population tends to keep things pretty traditional, and so sometimes it's harder to teach the older population how to switch some things out, how to change, you know, meals or how to add in more healthy vegetables or even how to cook vegetables properly
3: certain foods have become a tradition over the years in our families Um, and I wonder you know just how difficult it is to say break a tradition over the holidays and bring in a more healthier way of cooking that same dish.
2: Right so during the holidays that's when it can become even more tense more so than just a typical um, a regular day of the week. Usually with holidays it's not just Tradition is also cultural, what people have been used to for generations. And while you want to respect tradition, at the same time, there are some ways to work around the tradition in order to try to have some healthier outcomes.
3: Do you have any uh, tips or um, any alternative um, dishes that uh, Mississippians can take note of maybe for this holiday to, you know, just implement in their own family uh, meal planning?
2: You can. Eat smaller portions so that you can have the variety of those foods because typically, you know, you may have two meats and several different sides and several different desserts. So, um, doing smaller portions can help with not overindulging. Not skipping meals is one. I don't know if a lot of if you've been told that from another dietitian or not, but um, one thing that tends to happen in families is. We're cooking all day long. We're not going to eat until it's time for, you know, that big dinner at Thanksgiving or at Christmas time. And that's actually a bad idea because people tend to really overeat then because they're so hungry. So eating breakfast, even having like an egg with whole wheat toast and a glass of milk, that is better than not eating at all and then overindulging later on in the afternoon. Even like doing physical activity that same day, like if you want to take a walk with your parents or with your grandparents, you're making them um, become more physically active, and at the same time it's something enjoyable it's another way to spend time with your family that doesn't necessarily involve food.
3: What might some of those risks be you know for adults and also for you know young children and adolescents?
2: The risk of diabetes um, usually with um, obesity, that increases your risk of chronic diseases and diabetes is probably one of the most common ones. And so these um, heavier holiday foods that tend to be very starchy, such as macaroni and cheese, sweet potato casserole, cornbread dressing, all of these carbohydrates, when you are overdoing this over a period of time, that can cause some insulin resistance and that leads into diabetes. And that's a big one amongst adults as well as, and it's starting to increase among children as well.
3: Is it too late if um, an individual is obese or they are developing some problems?
2: No, it is never too late. Um, you know, the goal is to have your loved one or even yourself just keeping them encouraged and just finding alternative ways to enjoy the holiday without overindulging and one can always have a referral to a registered dietitian like if um, a primary care physician is willing to do that that really helps Um, and the great thing is right after the holidays comes that time of the year where people feel super motivated to start making changes which is around the new year so you're starting fresh so it's never too late it's just about getting started at some point.
3: Kayla George will is a registered outpatient dietitian. Thank you so much, Kayla, for your time on this topic. Awesome.
1: Some Mississippians are using this holiday season to encourage healthier living. Latoya Braxton of Bogachita says she recognizes health concerns prevalent among her family members. She tells our Ashley Norwood she hopes to break the cycle before it affects them any further.
4: My mom, she has high blood pressure and. She's uh, battling with sugar, so now she has, uh, she's on the urge of having diabetes now. And my grandmother as well, she's diabetic, and she's on high blood pressure pills as well. And the, my grandfather that I just passed, he has kidney failure, blood pressure um, problems, and he's diabetic as well.
3: With those health challenges um that you've you've seen your family members deal with, do you think it it comes from just what uh years of of improper eating um what would you attribute to it?
4: I feel like um it has trickled down to our generation, but um, I know that it's not genetics because I know it can be stopped at some time, but The eating, unhealthy eating, and not uh, taking care of our bodies is a big major problem with us now.
3: How often um, does your family gather? I mean, we're we're talking about the holiday season and um, the importance of having conversations about health and obesity and different illnesses because of um, such things. But, um, like, how often do you guys gather and have, you know, just large family meals
4: for Sundays, we really try to get together. We try to make a oath of uh, every year, of having something different every year to uh, get the family together. So on Sundays after church, we'll get together and have Sunday meals with the big extended family.
3: You mentioned, you know, wanting to change with uh, your generation and saying that you know it's not genetics and you can be the the, the end of it all. What are some mm-hmm. things you would like to introduce to your family?
4: I have been battling with uh, high blood pressure for the past four years now, and I have been trying to cut back off of pork because of the sodium and the salt that's in pork. So it's taking some time, but I know I can uh, make a change. I have to because of the things that I'm seeing in my family.
3: What are some of the conversations that you think need to happen uh, in your family and also conversations that needs to happen in all of our families, something that maybe someone listening to your story right now will be encouraged by?
4: Really, we need to be educated on um, the healthier ways to make meal plans and to uh, come together as a family to say uh, this needs to stop because this is what is killing off our, our, um, our people. And to just go to the doctor and they'll just prescribe us pills, which is actually not good for us as well, because there's nothing organic about it and nothing natural. And they don't tell us really about the side effects that um, comes with uh, taking pills like dizziness and then having nausea, headaches coming with it as well. So food-wise, I know it's expensive now, trying to eat healthy, but um, sometimes... We have to take that chance and just uh, do what we're supposed to be doing to t- take care of our bodies. It's the only one body, and we have to take care of it. Latoya
3: Braxton of Bolgachetta, Mississippi, thank you so much for talking with us today.
4: Thank you.
1: Let us know what you think about a story or send us a news tip by visiting MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. Coming up, find out why Mississippi students affected by a school closing could be left without funding to attend another school in the new year. That's after a Southern Remedy Health Minute. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: Hi, this is Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and you're listening to a Southern Remedy Health Minute.
6: I was wondering if there are recommendations for kids who are sniffling and if you can blow your nose too hard or anything like real problems with that.
5: The first thing to think about, is there actually stuff or is the tissue inside the nose just kind of inflamed and swollen? If you're blowing your nose and you're not really getting a lot out of it, then it's probably just that the tissues are kind of puffy and swollen in there and that's why you feel so congested. If the nose is actively running, things like antihistamines can dry up um, a runny nose. In particular, with kids really under the age of four, we try not to use any of those types of things like antihistamines and decongestants and and cough medicines. So, kind of my tips for dealing with the sniffles: one is hydration, so making sure that we are drinking enough water. In little kids, you can do some, you know, dilute juice as well, Pedialyte, those types of things. Um, As far as blowing your nose too much. Really what would happen is irritation in the nose, so using some nasal saline is a good option to keep everything good and moist in there, as well as just a little bit, either Vaseline or a little bit of Bactroban, which is an antibody equipment that you can get. For more health tips and medical info, tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Josie
3: Bidwell
6: health minute is underwritten by blue cross and blue shield of mississippi live healthy live blue it's good to be blue
1: this is mississippi edition on mpb think radio i'm karen brown legal advocates are reaching out to help students affected by the sudden closure of a for-profit college The chain includes two Virginia College campuses in Jackson and Biloxi. This after its accrediting agency suspended approval and the parent company went bankrupt. Charles Lee is Consumer Protection Director at the Mississippi Center for Justice. He says some for-profit schools will often seek out specific types of students. He tells us Virginia College's closing was much earlier than expected, which could leave some students in limbo.
6: They had announced earlier that the two campuses in Mississippi would close in August of 2019. You know, we were surprised that they were closing this early, that they announced that they would be closing all the branches. But uh, as a result of that, the campuses are closed now.
1: How many students does it affect?
6: I'm not sure of the enrollment numbers on the campuses, but it impacted all the students who were enrolled there.
1: What kind of school is Virginia College? Who, who are its students? Who is it targeting?
6: They target, actually, minorities, women of color, women, and uh, military veterans. People who've served in the military. Why? They target them because they're able to receive financial aid or they are able to get a large amount of financial aid. They take them through the process and have them max out the amount that they can receive in financial aid, and that's a benefit to the school and not necessarily to the students, and typically it's not a benefit to the students uh, because the programs that they enter, they usually aren't able to find employment in those programs. Uh, and a lot of times they aren't able to actually be certified in the programs that they were studying for because the professors are not certified or the programs are not so the, accredited.
1: So they're not accredited, and yet they're paying full price, full tuition, or at least through through student aid? Correct. And the majority of the students get some kind of financial aid?
6: That is correct.
1: What draws students in? Uh, what are they going in to study?
6: Uh, it's various things. Uh, in the medical profession, uh, they might study coding and billing or uh, phlebotomy things of that nature. Uh, some allied health fields. Um, there are also some computer programming uh, classes as well, disciplines that they have there as well. But a lot of the students choose that particular school because they don't have the stringent application requirements that other traditional colleges would have.
1: For a student looking for a college to go to, what should they be aware of, you know, buyer beware? What should they watch out for to find out if they're legit? Well, they should
6: check to find out if they are actually accredited by a reliable accreditation organization. If it's a school in the southern United States, it would be by the Southern, by SACS, which is the uh, Southern Accreditation of Colleges and Schools. I believe that's what it stands for. But they would want to make sure that the school is accredited, that they have professors who have degrees from universities, uh, Ph.D.s or master's degrees in those particular disciplines, that the coursework uh, fits with whatever certification exam they would have to take to actually practice in the field. They don't want to go through a course, uh, a study of of a certain course to be a paralegal, and they haven't taken the proper courses to study for a paralegal exam to actually practice as a paralegal. Uh, Now, that's just as an example, but I know that they've had students who've gone through nursing programs there, and one of the requirements to sit for the national examination is that they stick or poke so many students or practice for uh, drawing blood on so many live individuals, uh, and we find out that they've never practiced on live individuals before, only on uh, mannequins and dummies. So those students weren't able to sit for the examination to be certified to practice in that particular area.
1: The company that owns Virginia College, is it offering any kind of compensation or refund to the students who are being left out in the cold, literally?
6: I haven't heard of any, any type of uh, remuneration or anything to any students as a result of the closing of the schools.
1: You are holding some free town hall meetings, one today, one tomorrow, representing the two campuses, one in Jackson, one in Biloxi. Are you trying to help the students who now have no recourse?
6: We are trying to help the students. I mean, as a result of the school's closing, uh, the students are going to be faced with with making some decisions about how they move forward. So we want to help them with those next steps to give them information and advice about possible options regarding their student loans that they have, uh, about their potential job prospects, also about uh, transferring credits and what credits will be transferable. And also, I mean, how will they access their records uh, once the school closes? So those are issues that current students and former students will have. And those are some of the issues that we'll be covering tonight.
1: Since students or the majority of them have financial aid, they're not out personal money or at least so much. But would the financial aid be extended by the federal government to pursue other academics at another university or college?
6: Well, it depends. It depends on how much of the financial aid they've used. I mean, uh, you're you're only allowed so much financial aid as a student. Uh, and depending on how much they've used at the school at the Virginia College, I mean, it would determine how much financial aid they would have to pursue a degree at another university or school.
1: Should the students at Virginia College bring anything with them to this meeting?
6: No, they don't need to bring anything with them. No, just just. The fact that they were Virginia College College students is enough, uh, and then we'll just answer any questions that they have. We'll have a PowerPoint presentation and some uh, presentations about these various issues that we know the students will be facing, particularly the student loan debt issue, which which is going to be a big issue for students.
1: Charles Lee is the Consumer Protection Director for the Mississippi Center for Justice. Charles, thank you very much. Thank you. Coming up, we'll hear the story of a Delta town working together to keep the younger population in the area. This year, when you start feeling those twinges of holiday stress, don't. MPB Think Radio solves the age-old dilemma of the proverbial person who has everything with the MPB Online Store. Iconic MPB and PBS gear that's comfy and fun and celebrates that person's favorite shows. Long-sleeve t-shirts, DVDs, umbrellas, even toasty socks and baby booties. Plus a discount code for members in the MPB Program Guide. See for yourself at shopmpbonline.org. And relax, we got you. Support for MPB comes from Libro FM Audiobooks and Square Books
0: in Oxford, an independent bookstore offering more than 100,000 audiobooks, including
1: New York Times bestsellers and bookseller recommendations. More at Libro.fm. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. If you're a young adult in the Mississippi Delta, you have two choices, leave for more opportunities or stay and face a high unemployment rate. MPB's Alexandra Watts reports on how one Delta town is working to change that.
0: Mark's native Judy Bland reflects on her town as she drives on a rainy day. I went first through 12th grade here. Of course, it was completely different times there were jobs available then. agriculture-related jobs were plentiful. Just so many people worked in those fields. Half of the 16- to 29-year-olds in Quitman County where Marks is are unemployed. Bland volunteers with the Marks Project, a group working to improve the area. The group was founded by Mitch Campbell and Jabby Denton and has worked on providing a fitness center, partnerships of colleges, and now a brand-new job training center. Bland says the center will partner with two community colleges and offer 18- to 29-year-olds training in specialized fields, training needed after a local vocational school closed. Mark's native Manuel Killebrew sits at local restaurant Country Kitchen. He's on the board of supervisors and hopes the center brings trade and other skill-oriented jobs to Mark's.
3: If they offer the classes there, they could get a skier. They're talking about building trade, automotive mechanic, uh, welding, forklift, GED. A lot of people need that in order to go out and work because we, we have no license Promise here in Quitman County. There's no license electrician here. If we could get people trained for that, they could create their own jobs.
0: Fifty years ago, while still in high school, Kilabrew participated in the Poor People's Campaign mule train alongside Martin Luther King, Jr. He went away for school, but the marks in recent years has fewer agricultural employers like farms and cotton gins.
3: We only have two gins in Quitman County now compared to about 14 or 15 back in 1960s, and the first part of the 70s. People continue to move out because there's no jobs here.
0: According to the Center for Population Studies at the University of Mississippi, Quitman County has seen its population decrease almost 20 percent from 2000 to 2010, the last time the census was taken. That's the highest compared to surrounding Delta counties. Most leaving are between the ages of 20 to 29, and retired educator Shirley Morgan says job opportunities are a reason why.
6: Everybody, I believe, wants to be successful. And in order to be successful, you have to have a source of employment and In order to have a source of employment, there has to be some businesses.
0: Judy Bland wants the center to be a place where young people can contribute to the economy in a county where poverty is higher than the state's average. If they obtain a skill, we hope that some of them will get training and maybe open small businesses here and they can get assistance with planning to do this and even financing. When businesses are looking to come to the Delta, the principal of Madison S. Palmer High School, Walter Atkins Jr., says they look at education.
6: When you invest in the education, then businesses are more prone to look at places like the Delta as an option. But it's more of what can the community provide to a business that is considering coming in.
0: The Marks Project and the Quitman County School District have worked together to improve school ratings. In 2017, the district received a D grade, and this year the district has a C grade. Although high school senior Kimberly Bailey will attend college away from the Delta, she understands why people stay.
3: I know personally, I kind of want to leave into a bigger place but some people like it here and they want to see their town you know flourish and they want to put back into their town which I totally understand because even if I do move I still want to help where I came
4: from.
0: She says the job training center will help her peers find work and contribute to revitalizing the area. According to data from Kids Count and County Health Rankings, 35 percent of Quitman County 18 to 24 year olds are not employed or in school, compared to 32% for the Delta and 17% for Mississippi. And I mean, there are lots more places I can take you to. (laughs) Some may question why people choose to stay, and Judy Bland gives her reasoning. I've lived other places, but there's just no place like it. You feel like if you need something, there are so many people that are willing to help you. I love the Delta, just everything about it. I love the area. I love the people. I mean, even in retirement, it's still where I want to be. 20% of Quitman County residents are between the ages of 18 to 29. The new job center's goal is to give those individuals a reason to keep calling the Delta home. Alexandra Watts, MPB News.
1: Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, it's Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. To see our team's updates throughout the day, follow MPB News on Twitter. Did you miss part of the show? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB public media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.